You're listening to episode three of season six of Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. In this episode, of many faces of leadership. Hi, I'm Diana Larson. And I'm Sharon Buckmaster. Together, Sharon and I are the founders of FutureWorks Consulting. Now in our sixth series of podcasts, about leadership and organization development and change. Sharon, one of the things that has been coming um, coming up a lot lately in my conversations with managers and team leaders and coaches and other folks like that is a question about how really in self-organizing teams do, do things get done? Um, if there's a, a coach or a scrum master on the team, they're in charge of process and the product owner's in charge of product vision uh, or the product management is in charge of that. Um, so how, you know, what really goes on when team members then are self-organizing? Because nobody's really directing the work. Mm-hmm. in these people's minds. Sure. And I was at the Agile Coach Camp this last weekend. This question came up again. What does it really mean to be self-organizing team? And um, it made me think about a model that um, I adapted some years ago and that you and I have used before I adapted it in other sessions. But I was thinking specifically about Agile software teams when I, when I thought of this. Um, the old Ben and Sheets model that talked about uh, how groups work together and that there are task roles and group maintenance roles and so on. And, and I know you've done a lot of work around the ideas behind shared leadership and yes. participative leadership. And, of course, that's one of the things that, that everybody is saying we need to strive for, servant leadership, stewardship, all that stuff in the Agile world. But people don't know how to operationalize Right. That. They don't know what that looks like. Right. And so I wanted to talk more about, you know, what are all the kind of leadership activities that you might look for on a self-organizing team? And what does it really take to make that team healthy? Sure. Sure. I think that'd be a good, that'd be a good exploration. Right. So, um, well, it, I remember in that old older model, there, there was what they called task roles right. and maintenance roles. Right. And was there a third category? I can't remember. No, no those, were the, those two, were the two. But then within those, there were some subgroups. Like there were, there were direction ro- roles that helped to set direction, both to, for the task and for maintaining the health, the well-being of the group. Okay. And there were roles that um, focused on implementation, how, how we do the work, both in task and in group maintenance, and then evaluative or, or criti- critical roles um, in both task and maintenance. And so it, it made kind of a matrix, but then within each of those, like within task direction, there were a couple of different roles that they called out. And so it, all together it made 13. <laughs> Well, yeah. either you have a better memory than I do, or well, you've I, looked this up recently. Yeah, I actually have the paper in front of me, so okay. <laughs> that helps. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, if I were a manager, 
knowing what roles I needed to make sure were being covered one way or another on the team uh, would be very useful to me. And it would be useful when I was thinking about how I was going to populate the team because I wouldn't then just be looking for technical skills. I would also be looking for people who had one or two or three of these other capabilities, right? Mm -hmm. um, then if I were observing how a team was functioning or if people came to me and said, team's not functioning so well, right. knowing that those roles need to be being done mm -hmm. would help me diagnose and coach that team right. uh, because if 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 there was a big chunk missing and I was using that lens of those mm -hmm. 13 capacities the team needs to have I, I could say oh well one of the reasons x isn't happening is because that base isn't covered no right. one is doing that thing right how, how else do you think I might use those that that knowledge of those roles well as you were just explaining that it what popped into my mind is the thing that we talk about a lot in agile teams which is this idea of generalizing specialists and um, some people call them uh, t-shaped people um, our colleague work Cunningham once called them pie-shaped people, not meaning triangular, but meaning the the Greek pie, right? With with right, right, two right. areas of depth, but being able to uh, cover other bases for the team as well. And um, and we've talked about you know having redundant skills on a team sure. and so on. Bench having, strength, yeah, strong, good bench strength. And it occurs to me that this is another lens for thinking about being a generalizing specialist. So while I might be on a team and, um, you know, be a, be a, a tester where I'm, I'm looking for the holes and I'm, I'm trying to suss out bugs and so on, and that gives me this role, this, this kind of critical role, looking for the risks and weaknesses in the, in the software that we're building, um, I might stretch into also development role, but I also might stretch into a how do I make sure that we've got the right working agreements, the influencer role, or how do I uh, mentor other folks on the team so that they understand better how to be a part of a team or something. And that, that also is a generalizing set of skills that... Um, that's valuable to the team, but that we don't always look at. Of course. Right? right. And so kind of knowing, you know, knowing the, the, um, the span, the, the breadth, the breadth, yeah. the breadth of this would give me a better way of like looking at folks on the team and saying, you know, are you able to, how many of these roles are you able to step into? And it's not just about writing the software, what roles are you able to step into, but also these other roles. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about yeah. this in agile language, right. which right. I, I understand yeah. from your perspective. But right. but the the truth is that, that these roles, in essence, need to be performed on any Absolutely. team, on, with any working group. Yeah. And it, it's funny because I'm just thinking that um, in about two weeks, I'm going to be doing a retreat with a group that 
um, um, I hadn't even thought about looking at how they function through this lens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I might just do that because right. they've made some progress from where they were last year. But so I was planning on reviewing their working agreements and mm-hmm. their their simple rules and looking at embedding their simple rules. Um, but but this might also be useful as yeah. as another as right. another lens. So, um, so now that we've maybe established why somebody should care about these, right. let's look at them in more detail mm-hmm. and um, maybe give some examples so people can see what these roles are mm-hmm. and and why they're important to the to right. the team's overall health, right. regardless of whether it's an agile team or any other kind of yeah. team. Right. That's a real team. Right. And and I would just like to offer, uh, for any of our listeners, if I, we realize you don't have the piece of paper in front of you, if, um, if you would like a copy of this, uh, let us know. Sure. Just e- drop email us, us you know, Get get in touch with us, DMs, however, get in touch with us some way, and we will we will send you a PDF of this, and and or we'll we'll make sure there's one up on the website you can download too. Sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's a that's I think that's a great idea because I was I have a, a gig coming up pretty soon to do some agile chartering on teams mm-hmm. and. I don't know why, but I hadn't thought to yeah, bring I this to, this to is... chartering before, yeah. and so I, I, I will definitely be bringing this to that group. So, um, if let's start with the, let's start with the the horizontal box that is um, about direction, bringing direction to the team, direction to the activities. So the the task roles there are um, called pioneer and instructor. And the pioneer is the person who looks for new approaches, brings new ideas, um, helps to support change moving forward, um, seeks out new data that will be relevant uh, to help figure out the new approaches. So they're really, they are that person in the um, adoption curve that's, that's, way out there on point. They're early, early, early adopter, right, of, of new ideas. The, the instructor uh, is, provides direction by answering kind of technical questions, bringing in that, those technical data, doing technical coaching, perhaps, knowing where to find resources, those kinds of things. Might be a person who leads some team meetings might not, but they are providing direction in the sense around the task, in the sense that they are, um, you know, making sure that uh, everybody has the information that they need and and has somebody they can come to for questions. And then then there are the two roles that are the maintenance roles that are also direction. Yeah. The, the person who's influencing um, the group by um, uh, ensuring that the, the work climate is really conducive to producing whatever it is the team is supposed to produce. Um, and that could include 
reviewing reviewing uh, working agreements, um, mm-hmm. saying, you know, it's time to take another look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe creating more social opportunities for the, mm-hmm. the team members. Um, and, and also being a good follower um, because on a team, you alternate between being the leader or being the point person and then being a good follower. And it's just as important to be a good follower when someone else has the lead um, as it is to be the leader. Yeah. And I think that's often surprising to people. that totally. That follower is a leadership role if you're being an effective follower. Yeah. Right? Not, not the, why do we have to do this? Right. But the, this is a great idea. Let's go with it. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's a different kind of followership. Yeah, sees the working agreements and says, I, I want to help implement these. Right, right. Yeah. right. So then the next part is more the implementation roles. You know, once we're beyond direction or really into the work, um, in, in this area, I, I guess it doesn't, isn't too surprising, there's sort of three roles in each column, three task roles and, and three maintenance roles. And the task roles have to do with, um, our, well, they have names, commentator, um, advocate, and coordinator. And that all makes sense. And so um, making sure that we're doing the commentator, make sure we're getting effective planning done. If there are metrics that the team needs to help understand its work, make sure those are being kept and, and everything is in context. Um, the advocate will help to um, create the connections that are needed for, with folks outside the team, uh, make sure that we're getting the resources that we need to do whatever work we're, you know, whether that's training or permission to make decisions or, um, t- you know, tools and equipment or what, whatever that might be. Um, and, and, you know, working with, um, probably working more maybe with the product owner around or product management around those things. And then the coordinator is pulling all the, the data sets together, the things that we can find, making sure that we're staying on task, um, looking for when team membership, uh, when we might need to add people to the team, where maybe our skills aren't adequate anymore to the mission um, if, if the, when the mission shifts, things like that. So making sure that that what we are working on makes sense, technical sense, all the time. Right? And I see the potential in that role uh, around those tasks. Mm-hmm. To, to, I think a person would need to be very sensitive to what part of that they can do themselves mm-hmm. and what part of that they may need to go to someone else like right. the manager right. of the team at that point right. to say to identify right here's where there's an issue yeah. and i've done what i can but i can only go this far yeah. and now i need your help or your clout or yeah. your you know your level of influence to take the next steps yeah. you know yeah. so so i think that's an important place where um, there needs to be a real ongoing dialogue 
right. uh, between the person or people filling these roles and the manager or the next right. layer. Um, so they don't step on each other um, and they don't think, oh, well, that's all taken care of. I don't have to pay any attention to it. Right. Um, and so there, and there would need to really be some trust developed right. there. Right. Um, and I think that's a responsibility then that both parties, um, both the person at the, or people at the team level and the manager, have to kind of feel their way through a little right. bit to, to establish. Yeah. And I, and I guess I want to caution um, our listeners. Uh, these, these are not one-to-one a person to these what we are describing is not job titles right but, of but roles and that many people on a team might move fluidly in and out of these roles this is these are all leadership activities that need to happen but not necessarily assigned to a single person so don't fall into the trap that's an easy trap to fall into, and it and it would be a trap, and it would bite you. Yeah, <laughs> if you yeah. fall into it. Yeah. So uh, just just to make just to to caution about that, but it's like sort of like whoever currently is enacting this role would need to do the things that Sharon was talking about. Right. And um, and the other thing that I'm thinking about here is that I think on a lot of teams there is the assumption that the scrum master is going to do all of this, or the agile coach is going to do all of this. And or the project manager, and you know what? This is too big for one person. That's well, not only why that, it's but a the, shared activity. That's yeah. right, and and it it's happening. All of these things are happening quickly. There there are quick shifts. Yeah. Daily, you know, um, probably less than. I mean, more yeah. often even than daily, and so people are playing different roles at different times for different mm-hmm. reasons and there's a there's a fluidity about it yeah. that I think is probably confusing if you've never done it but or almost, seen it in action or seen it in action yeah. almost becomes second nature right I well, yeah. the, 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 if we have time, there's a story I'll tell yeah. you about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I came, when I was outside pruning yesterday, uh-huh. I came to an amazing realization about why somebody that I know has been having such difficulty working in a collaborative way. Um, so, it, it, yeah. it, and it has to do with these, making these shifts Right. All the time, as opposed to being the leader. Right. Yeah. Well, and we've been talking a lot lately about, you know, we're in a VUCA world now, and being able to make those shifts is a part of how we gain business agility on a personal level, how we gain resilience on a personal level. Um, that's, one of the, that's one of the skills we have to, have to right. foster. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. So tell us about the... Um, the maintenance the, side yeah, of that. Yeah, the, the implementers, implementing roles on the maintenance side. So on the maintenance side, the two roles are mentoring and peacemaking. And, uh, oh, and the third one uh, yeah. of promoting. So promoting is has to do with um, um, making sure that, that everybody's heard from, encouraging 
quiet people to participate, the person who um, will say, gee, Sandy, you've been really quiet today. Mm-hmm. Do you want to weigh in on this? Right. Um, I, I think promoter actually is almost kind of a funny word there. It is, yeah. Um, but it's that it's that um, sort of engaging into, you know, making sure yeah. everyone is engaged. Um, the, um, the and and that person or another part of that kind of role is also the the um, the appreciative, um, right. you know, thanks for bringing that up or thanks for bringing us back on track yeah. or thanks for whatever. Right. Um, right. And you're, you know, you're very good at that. Yeah. When, when we start our future works meetings, you've, you always thank people and, um, you've, you've made it a kind of part of the ritual that that's yeah. something that we do. And that's nice. I, I, mm-hmm. I always appreciate that because, Damn, I can forget to do that. <laughs> um, so, and then there's the mentoring role, the um, the stepping in to um, provide some guidance or some um, practice for other people, um, and the the person who's um, the peacemaking role, the person mm-hmm. who's looking for ways to find um, yes. Um, win-win kinds of solutions right. not a not a well we'll just do majority rules <laughs> but but a way to to seek common ground and to to make sure that people um feel good about the decisions or the direction and that everybody everybody feels like a winner yeah so that's yeah. a nice a yeah. nice role to play at various times on yeah. the team well and and thank you for <laughs> Noticing, for thanking you, for yes. Thanking, for thanking me, but, but, but because that triggered another thought in me is that I that um, it's interesting to reflect on these and as as we're talking about them, think about um, think about where you find yourself moving in and out of these roles. Which ones seem most comfortable? To you, dear listener, um, and which ones don't feel so comfortable, because that'll give you some ideas about where you might want to gain some allies. You know, folks who feel comfortable in the roles that, you know, that you don't naturally sort of move to. But notice where you have broader strengths than just one role. Right. You know where you could be in more than one. So then the last part of this is. Um, a section that's more called evaluation, providing, helping to provide evaluation to the team. And um, there are three task roles and two maintenance ones here. And the one is the critic, which, you know, is very much um, uh, what we think of in terms of sometimes uh, QA or testing or even project management, really looking for risks, trying to figure out what data is relevant, doing some analysis on that. Where are we, um, you know, where should we be alert to something that we might need to mitigate 
you know, where are we accumulating in the software world? Where are we accumulating technical data in the code? Mm -hmm. And where do we really, you know, what of that is the most important to address right now? If we can't do it all, where do we start? You know, bringing that critical eye to, uh, to the work. And then um, the gatekeeper, uh, really helping to make sure that, you know, we're doing the things we said we would do in terms of our work. Um, you know, we are, we are um, if, if we have common code ownership or, you know, if we've created common standards for our work, even if it's not a software team, are we sticking to those standards? Are, are we holding ourselves accountable for that? Um, are we holding ourselves accountable to the rest of the organization? And then making sure that um, also um, the, the, uh, what the work that we are doing is not leaking over into the work that somebody else would do, that sort of boundary role, uh, and making sure that we're not being co-opted into doing other people's work and they aren't doing ours, that sort of thing. And then the, the most fun one on here, which on this um, uh, particular version of it is called the dissenter, but sometimes we call the devil's advocate. Yes. And how important that is to a team to have somebody who's you know willing to step up and not just go along because everybody else is going along, but bring the critical eye. And what, what we've heard and learned about this one is that it is so important that this is a shared role. Yes, and that one person doesn't get tagged with it because then they get just sort of dismissed after a while. Right, right, right. And there, you know, all the literature on groupthink and all that stuff talks about the importance of really being willing to step up and say, you know what, we're headed down a road that is taking us nowhere good. Yeah. And here's here's how I see that happening. And... um, so challenging habitual thinking and and making sure that if if as a team we've gone through chartering and we have simple rules or we have values and principles, we are using those to make our decisions. We aren't just figuring them out and then tossing you know and then ignoring them. Those kinds of things um, that dissenter or devil's advocate really brings to the team. Yeah, yeah. And then the maintenance roles in that area. So the maintenance roles. Are the there are two. One is the reviewer, and that's the that's somebody who's um, making sure that the um, the team is is um, meeting the acceptance criteria, and um, is checking things periodically and systematically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the monitor is um, paying attention to how the team is functioning as a whole, are there, are there, are relationships working well, um, just kind of the, the temperature taker mm-hmm. of the team, or, you know, does the team seem up, are they depressed, or is the energy low, um, I mean, that would be the person in a meeting who might say, wow, everybody's really, like, seems quiet today, yeah. is, um, you know, do we need a break? Um, right. Or do we need to get up and do jumping jacks or right. something? Right. But, you know, so um, yeah. that also is, I think, a, 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 a pretty important role because um, they're able to step back and kind of look at just mm-hmm. the overall functioning. Right, right. 
So those are the 13 roles. Um, some focused on task and some focused on maintaining the well-being of the group, both of which are important. We have to be productive and we have to be able to work together. Yeah. And then and we have to be able to move forward. Uh, we need some direction to move into and somebody will keep us focused on that. We need the, the guidance around how we are implementing, how we are doing the work, and also um, evaluating, our, is this the right work to do? Are we doing the work well? Um, are we meeting our own standards? All of those things. And, and do, we feel, do we feel healthy and whole while we're doing it? And do we feel it? healthy and whole while we're doing it? Um, it it's, a, it's a useful... Um, it's a, it's a useful set to think through. And I, and I do think the trap, there's, there is the trap of, two traps here. One is thinking that role and person are conflated and not just that these are activities that need to be present in the team. And the other is expecting anyone, expecting that you're going to be able to hire a scrum master or hire a coach and that they will take care of all of this. Because no one person can do all of this. It has to be part of the self-organizing work of a whole team. Um, so I, I'm really glad to, you know, this is a, it's, I feel like it's an old friend that I just met again, you know, right, right, and I'm right. like becoming reacquainted with. Diana, we're getting too old. We're <laughs> starting to forget stuff we used to know. And, yeah. You know, I mean, that's not a good sign. I know, it's not a good sign. Please leave your comments on our blog or email us, info at futureworksconsulting.com or find us on Twitter at futurewks. This has been episode three of season six of Partnerships and Possibilities. Thanks for listening.